John chapter 15, verse 14 and 15. John chapter 15, verse 14 and 15. Somebody give Amen. Father, we are grateful to you this morning. We thank you for your word. We pray that you will speak into our lives. We pray that the life that is in God's word will explore within us, bringing us to the place of total surrender and lordship of Jesus. To Christ be the glory. Father, every resistance to the preaching of God's word, we bind it. We rebuke it, every critical spirit that riseth, be stilled in Jesus' name for your glory. The church said, Amen. Please be seated. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Today's message is titled, Friends of Jesus. Friends of Jesus. Amen. We all have friends. And we are friends with someone or the other. Whenever we pick a friend, normally we pick a friend based on our likings, based on our status, based on so many other criterias in our lives. Hardly do you see anyone being friendly with people who are lower in the economic status, in the financial arena. People like to move around with their own kind in the sense that they always want to be in par with people who are, who they like and they can relate to. But when we read the scripture, we find a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Who is that? Jesus. Praise the Lord. The friendship with Jesus and Jesus the friend is unique and is different unlike any other friends that we have ever experienced in our lives. Praise God. Friends come and friends go. Friendship can develop from being just being together with people, being an acquaintance, and it can move into friendship. The Bible speaks about various friends, but today we want to talk about the friends of Jesus. Most of the time, our friendships with people around us, with Jesus, are imperfect in nature. The reason being, we are imperfect people. Someone once said, it is, it is divine to be, to be perfect, it's divine. And to err or to be error in life is human. So as human beings, we have errors, we have flaws, 
and falls within us. And because of our imperfect nature, the hand of friendship that we give, the relationship or the friendship that blooms and grooms often is imperfect in nature. But the friendship that God has with us is perfect just like he is perfect. Praise God. Everything about our Savior is perfect. And when he is friends with us, the hand of friendship that he gives is perfect. He never goes back on his word. He will never double cross you. He will never let you down. He will never forsake you. He will never fail you. Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You can count on Jesus the friend on high days and on low days. You can count on Jesus in good seasons and in bad seasons. Now, we being so flick, fickle, we being so weak, if Jesus, if we have a friend in Jesus, how blessed you and I are. If you and I have a friend who is mighty, who is very influential, don't we brag about them? Don't we want the world to know that you and I are in friendly with someone who the world knows or someone who can make a change and a difference in our lives? If that be the case, Jesus, the Lord of life, the Lord of Lord, the King of kings, him being our friend, we have all the reason to brag and boast about it. We have all the reason to celebrate that friendship. We have all the reason to exhibit that friendship. We have no reason to hide and keep that friendship away from scrutiny of people around us. Well, this is what the Word of God says. We see as the scripture says, Jesus is telling his disciples, what is he saying? He says, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Praise the Lord. You are my friends if you will do whatever I command you. See, in every friendship, there is an initiation. There is a beginning of friendship. As friendship starts, it slowly, it ought to develop. Either it will develop or with time it will wane away, it will fade away. The friendship with Jesus, Jesus being our friend, our Savior, is initiated, the Bible says, the prerequisite. What is the prerequisite? Just do it. Tell your neighbor, just do it. Well, what comes to your mind when you hear someone say, just do it? Or read the statement, just do it. Nike. All right. But here we see Jesus is saying, just do it. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Praise God. Whoa, 
this friendship is not initiated by our actions, our deeds, but it is initiated based on love, the love that he has shown us, the love that he has bestowed, the love that he has poured into our hearts, but there is an arena where you and I have to respond to his love. This love relationship or this friendship starts by obeying the first command that he gives, which is what? Which is what? Praise the Lord. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you have to enter into that relationship. You enter into that relationship by repenting of our sins, receiving Christ as our Savior, and that life together starts. But it does not end there. When Jesus says, just do it, he is saying, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Mind you, the word whatever is huge. It's big. You and I have to come to grips that this friendship blooms. This friendship grooms. This friendship grows with the fact that you and I decide to be obedient to him. Praise God. Whatever I command you. That's big. That's big. It, there, there, there is no room for ambiguity there. There is no room for ifs and buts there. There is no room for contemplation. There is no room for procrastination. There is no room for debate there. He says, whatever I tell you, you do it. You are my friends. So we start by receiving him as our Savior. Then he tells us that we, those who repent, must be baptized. And you live according to the Word of God. You understand the calling that God has placed upon your life. You understand the will of God concerning your life. And you align yourself to the teachings of Christ. And he says, whatever you, I tell you, when you do it, you are my friend. Wow. Have you ever thought about that word, whatever? What's inclusive in whatever? Everything that he tells you. In the Bible, there is a character known as what? As a friend of God. Who is that? Abraham. Abraham was known as a friend of God, but it all started by him doing what? Abraham believed in God. He trusted God. He put his faith in God and whatever God said. In other words, he responded. He acted upon whatever God said. And it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was known as a friend of God. Praise God. 
So there has to be a step of faith. You and I have to believe what he says. You and I have to start believing and trusting him. Everything that he says. And this man who is known as a friend of God. One day God asked him what? What was the first thing God asked him to do? Leave. Get out of town. Get out of home. Get out of your country. Get out of your family. And go to the place that I will show you. Abraham, he heard the word of God. Obeyed the word of God, not knowing where he was going. Praise God. And thereby started a relationship which grew to the proportion of God. Hallelujah. Putting that tab that is a friend of God. But when you look at the life of Abraham, you understand whatever means, look how God led him and what God asked him. It's not, it, it, as we respond to him, we, know, we understand that friendship is what? It's mutual. It's not just one way. It's mutual. As much as God loves us, do we love him in return? How do we respond to him? How do we respond to his word? How do we respond to his command? The prerequisite to be the friend of Jesus is what? We have to obey him. Praise God. Obey him. Obey him in everything. Praise God. In our private life, in our public life, wherever we are, obey Him. Praise God. Hallelujah. Look what Jesus is saying. You are my friends if you obey me. Or whatever I command. If you do it, you are my friends. Jesus is constantly looking for friends. When he calls Judas his friend. Do you know when Jesus called Judas his friend? When Judas enters the garden of Gethsemane. Ready to betray him. Christ knowing very well what Judas was about to do. Jesus calls him my friend. The psalmist in the spirit of prophecy says Judas was a familiar friend. The, the psalmist says he was not only a familiar friend, he was a trusted friend. Psalm 41.9. It's a prophetic utterance about Judas. So he was a familiar friend, he was a trusted friend, but he was also a double-crossing friend. To this double-crossing friend, Jesus lends the hand of invitation. It is very interesting to know that people who are friends today can become foe tomorrow. People who are foe can become friends. Here was a man who was known, as the Bible says, a familiar friend, a trusted friend who let Jesus down and by letting Jesus down 
he went down into the annals of history as one who betrayed and was lost. Praise God. Even people who oppose Jesus, he lends them a hand. He gives them an invitation to be a friend. Judas turned out or evolved into a friend for namesake. In reality, he was not a friend at that point of time. But Jesus is calling you and me to be real friends. Real friends of the one who gave himself up for you and me. The condition of being friends being friend of Christ is what do what I command you praise God it doesn't stop there he wants that friendship to grow to what point the honor of being his friend to talk to him face to face in an intimate way like Moses did praise God amen but look at the scripture. We understand that the Bible is very clear. Jesus says, as much as it would look as a Herculean task to do whatever he commands, Jesus is making it clear that there are perks in this relationship. How many of you like perks? Like perks? Well, look at the perks that Jesus was talking about. This is what Jesus says. What are the perks of being friends with Jesus? Number one, unlimited access. How many of you like the word unlimited? Can you imagine that kind of access? Not with the buddy that who lives down the street, but with the Lord of Lord. You and I have an unlimited access. The Bible says he has thrown open the throne of grace for you and me and so that we can come boldly, can just barge in. No time frame. You can walk in any time. You don't need an appointment. You have unlimited access if he is your friend. Praise the Lord. One. Next one. Jesus says, I do not call you servants, but I call you friends. You have inside info. How many of you guys like inside info? Do you like inside info? Well, those who are in the stock market, they like to get inside info. If you got connection with the traders, you're not supposed to, but inside info. What kind of information is this? Hmm? What kind of information is this? You are close to the heartbeat of God. John was close to Jesus. 
You have the inside scoop. How many of you like inside scoop? Well, this is with the God of universe. Praise God. The inside scoop from the God of universe when God lets you in on what? On his secret. You become his confidant. See, God wants you and I to move. Christian life is a life of progress. Christian life is an upward mobility. Christian life is a life when you are drawn closer to him. He wants this friendship to increase day by day. You don't have to be in the same place that you are. You and I have to press in. Have you heard about Christians who are bored? They are bored of everything. They are bored with, with church. They are bored with service. They are bored with, with singing. They are bored with everything. They are, they are bored. They have what you call as the malady called boredom. They're sick with the malady called boredom. Nothing moves them. Do you know why? Why? Simply because they are stuck in the rut of ritual. They have not entered into relationship. When you enter into relationship with Jesus, there is no room for boredom. Life becomes exciting as you commune with him. As you talk to him and he talks to you back. Praise God. Ever heard him talk to you? Ever heard him whisper into your ears? Ever heard him drop something into your spirit? I'm telling you, once you enter into that arena, life becomes exciting. Instead of fixing our relationship with him, we want to fix the rituals that goes around. We want to fix the program. You can fix the program. You can alter the program. You can rename the program. But unless the relationship is not connected with him, you will feel the low, you will feel boredom creeping into you. Jesus says, I don't call you servants, but I call you my friend. Move into the realm from being a servant to a friend, from being a friend into a confidant where he talks to you and lets you in. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yes. Praise the Lord. We must understand that friendship is a choice. And the act of choosing is a sword that cuts between God and Satan. It cuts between holiness and sin. It cuts between righteousness and unrighteousness. It cuts 
between what is godly and what's ungodly. In other words, every time you have, you speak a friend, you are separating someone. You are disregarding someone. You are discarding someone. You are saying no to someone else. Friendship is selective in nature. Friendship in nature itself is not embracing everyone. Praise God. Listen. Somebody said, you show me your friends, I can tell you what you're going to become. Friendship with Jesus will simply elevate our life. Praise God. But mind you, when you study the scripture, we realize Jesus is saying that, listen, I don't call you guys servants, but I call you friends. As servants, understand that as a servant, you take what? You take orders. You don't get into the master's business. You simply take orders. But as a friend, Jesus says, I will let you in on what's going on and what's going to happen. No longer do I call you friends for a servant does not know what this master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father. I made Known to you. Praise God. Amen. Classify. Praise God. But in our relationship with him, even when we are friends with him, we are his servants. Why? Because he's not just like the buddy on, on, the, on, on the corner. He's what? He's the Lord of Lord. He's the King of the universe. Look into the life of Abraham. Abraham has three visitors. The Bible says Abraham calls himself. He says, I am your servant. And he's running around in service to the king. But after the service, he stands before him. And they start talking and sharing and unloading Praise God. God lets him in. And we see Abraham as a friend of God started a negotiation with God. Wow! Can you believe that you and I have the access and the, and the ability to, to talk to God and get him to change things for us? Wow! If you knew the highest power in the land, won't you be so glad? My Bible says in Proverbs, the king's heart is in the hands of the Lord and he directs it like a watercourse wherever he pleases. That means God can take the heart of the king who has power over you, who can dictate things to you, who can issue an edict against you, who can issue a verdict against you. We, the Bible says 
God can turn his heart around and turn everything for your favor. Isn't that awesome? Praise God. If there is anybody in this house this morning, you are going through a rough experience. Someone's giving you a hard time. Maybe it's your boss at workplace. Maybe it's your co-worker. Maybe it's someone in authority that's giving you a tough time. I want to tell you, take the matter to Jesus, your friend. Let him in. Tell him what's bugging you. And tell him to put his weight on that matter. Ah. If he puts his weight on his on any matter that you are concerned, I want to tell you, he will turn the tide around for you. Do you believe that? I believe that. Praise God. God can take any person's heart. The most wicked person on the earth, the most powerful person on the earth, the most influential person on the earth, God can turn his heart around because you and I have access to Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. But we need to understand that in this relationship, there are restrictions that apply. Restrictions apply. <laughs> What's the restriction? What do you think is the restriction? I'm friends with him. He's friends with me. What's the restriction? <laughs> You're buddy-buddy with someone. What's the restriction? Well, here's the restriction. It's called what? Huh? It's called what? Compromise. Well, James lets us in on this. He says there is no room for compromise. You know what James 4, 4 says? What does it say? I'm going to read it out. I don't want you guys to read it out. What does he say? James 4, 4 says. James says this is what he says. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. Do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Hey. Have you heard the term by default? I don't think any of God's people wants to be enemies with God. No, we don't. I don't think so. Not in our right mind. But there is enmity or hostility with God that is triggered because of what? Our love for the world. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? 
Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world cannot be the friend of Jesus. Very simple. No room for compromise. Come on, Jesus. Can I not be buddy-buddy with the friends and still be buddy-buddy with, with you? Can I not be friends with the world Monday to Friday and then I come weekend, Lord? I want to be in your presence. You are my friends if you do whatever I command. And that command includes do not be what? Be friendly. We said last week what it was. World does not mean what? The people. World does not mean planet Earth. World means the ungodly, anti-God system in this place that defies God and defies the scripture. Well, no room for, no room for Compromise. There is absolutely no room for compromise. If you do compromise, the Bible says, praise God. What? What does the Bible say? Your enemies with God. You know, in the Bible, there's a good analogy. The Jews, they said to Pilate, if you release this man, Jesus, you are no friend of Caesar. John 19, 12. You and I are not only known by our friends, we are also known by our enemies. Pilate and Herod were bitter enemies, but what happened? Until they both rejected Jesus, the rejection of their common enemy forced them into each other's arms and made them friends. Do you know why God hates his people loving the world or the worldly system? It's simply because it is what? He does not want to share the love, the affection, the allegiance, the loyalty, the faithfulness that you have with him. In other words, he wants your and my relation to be an exclusive relationship. In Praise God. We ought to be careful about understanding the place of compromise in our lives. In politics, compromise is the art of making things possible. Listen to this carefully. In politics, people make things possible by compromise. They make things happen by compromise. In spirituality, in our relationship with Jesus, in any and every realms of spirituality, compromise is the flaw of impossibility. What does that mean? I'll tell you. In politics, we compromise to make things happen. We want things to be peaceful, so we compromise. In spirituality, in our relationship with Jesus, compromise is the flaw of impossibility, meaning 
God wants to do the impossible thing for you and for me. But when we compromise, you forfeit the inheritance that he has marked out for you. That which looks impossible, God wants to make it possible for you. By virtue of the fact when you and I compromise on the word of God, on the stand of God, on the scriptures, what happens is you and I forfeit the impossible that God has stored for us. Praise God. Because he does not work in compromise. Let my people go so that they can go and worship, Pharaoh said. Well, let the men go. God said, no compromise. Pharaoh said, take the children. No compromise. Pharaoh said, leave the beast and the animals. No compromise. Pharaoh said, take the woman, leave the children. No compromise. There is no compromise with what God says. The minute you compromise, you and I lose out because that becomes a flaw of impossible things that God wants you and I to enjoy in life. Serious. Praise God. Hallelujah. How many blessings we have lost. Like sand escaping from our hands. Like loyal, oil escaping from the middle of our fingers. Blessings that God has ordained for us as family, as church, as individuals. We forfeited because we bring the dirty word compromise in the realms of God. Hallelujah. It's called splinter devotion. Little bit here, little bit there. The heart is splintered. What God is asking for is loyalty to Him. Praise God. Not only splinter devotion, it's the spiritual dichotomy. The sign of compromise is splintered devotion and spiritual dichotomy, meaning that there is no clear cut commitment to the Lordship of Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. No room for compromise. <laughs> Do you know how you tone down compromise? You tone down the stringence. You tone down the absoluteness of the scripture. That's how you tone it down. It's known as the watered down gospel. God told Saul, strike the Amalekites and totally annihilate them. Blot their memory from the face of the earth. That's what God told Saul. And do you know what Saul did? Saul did part of what was told. And then he, he said to Samuel, I have done what the Lord has commanded me to do. But what about the bleating of the sheep? He said, that's the people. They saved the best for sacrifice. That's compromise. Meaning. 
giving the impression of obedience to the master, but cutting corners. Praise God. Hallelujah. My time's up. It's more. Hallelujah. You and I have to answer whether I am being a friend of Jesus or the world. We don't want anybody else to say anything to us. We need to ask ourselves, am I the friend of Jesus or am I the friend of the world? The choice is before us. You and I have to decide whether I'm going to be the friend of Jesus or whether I'm going to be the friend of the world. A king of Persia had the habit of disguising himself and going and mingling with his subjects. He loved to do it because he wanted to be in touch with his people. One day he disguised himself and went into the cellar deep down of the city where there was a furnace where there was one man adding fuel to the furnace. That was his job. It was a dark cellar. The only light in there was the fire that was burning. Everything around that place was dark because of the coal and the soot that was, that was accumulating day after day. The king went down into the cellar, sat down with the man disguised as just an average person. He started talking to him. Day after day, the king would visit him and they became very friendly. The man will bring his, his, his molded bread and a jug of water and they both will share and talk. One day the king decided that I'm going to let him know who I am. I want to see how he's going to react. The king one day told him, you know, I am the king in disguise. The man was startled. Are you telling me the truth? The king took his disguise off and let him see who he was. The man looked at him shocked, bewildered. But then, after some time, he continued to talk. Now the king was expecting the man to ask something. Give me some riches. Give me some gold. Give me some silver. Take me out of this place. Give me a good job. Put me in your court. Make me, a, make, make me a, a one of your closest allies. After all, we've been friends for a long time. But the man would not. And this conversation went on and on day after day. One day the king could not hold it anymore. Finally the king said, wait, don't you know? Don't you believe what I said? I'm the king. Why don't you ask for something? Why don't you ask for a position? Why don't you ask for some riches? Why don't you ask for some wealth? The man just simply looked at the king and said, Oh king, you already gave me what I want. You already came down from the throne into the cellar. Oh king, I don't want the wealth. I don't want the riches. I don't want the gold. All I want is your company. All I want is your presence. As 
friends of Jesus, we come to him knowing his power and his influence. We come to him with our shopping list. But let me ask you, when was the last time you enjoyed his company? When was the last time you simply sat before him and shed tears before him? When was the last time you poured your heart to him? When was the last time you talked to him what bugged you? When was the last time you asked him of his opinion? When was the last time you asked for his counsel? Do you enjoy his company? Do you want to simply linger before him? Do you want to simply hang around him? Praise God. When you cultivate that habit of liking his presence, cherishing his presence, when everything else fades away, when the glitter and the glamour and the music and the sound fades away in the distance, would you still want him? Can you say with the psalmist, as the deer panted after the brooks, so my soul longeth after thee. I got a longing for you. I got a deep desire for you. I have a passion for you. I have an hunger for you. I have a thirst for you. He's the king that came down from heaven, came down to where you and I were. Praise God. He enjoys your company. Do you enjoy his company? Praise God. When you enjoy his company, you forget you are not working on a schedule. Praise God. Someone who's in love with someone does not look at the watch all the time. I'm not talking about you being in the service, you can go home. That's not what I'm talking about. Getting out of your schedule with him and lingering with him. I do not call you servants, but I call you my friends, I want to give you extended invitation of being friends with Jesus. No pads. I don't hear any pads. Are you friends with Jesus? No Have you taken the first step of believing Christ as your Savior? After making him the savior of your life, you entered into that friendship. But now, are you in a place where you can say, Lord, I want to obey. It has not happened in the past, but here am I. Help me.